Hey everybody, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. Before we start the show, I wanted to share something with y'all. So, I got a email from congregation member Jason Halkyard. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, so, Jason's a songwriter. He wrote this really cool song called Trigger Warning that he got other congregation member and uh, member of Raccoon Crew, Tyler Wicks, to cover. And I love it. It's a song about his alcohol and drug use, his marriage that ended, and his recovery. So, I wanted to give him a shout out and let y'all listen to that before the regular show starts. So, here is Trigger Warning, written by Jason Halkyard. Uh, and covered by Tyler Wicks. I drink to remember, I drink to forget The shame and the sadness and all my regrets All these excuses inside of my head are so deafening now it's the monster beside of my bed that's life-threatening There must be something stronger To take me so much deeper My trigger warning There's my trigger No longer concealed, they're unthinkable. Can you ignore all the scars I've revealed? Unbelievable. It must be something stronger to take me so much deeper than my trigger warning. There's my trigger warning. Getting closer to finally living sober. My trigger warning. There's my trigger warning. Oh, 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 Much farther, my soul is so much stronger, my breath is so much deeper, my life is so much larger. These eyes that see much farther, my soul is so much stronger, my breath is so much deeper, my life is so. Larger than my trigger warning My trigger 
this is American Express. We've been uh, receiving several complaints from this phone number that you uh, just will not leave us alone. Uh, there's been concern about mental health. Um, so this is a courtesy call. Yeah, no, my health is fine. Thank you. No, uh, let me, can I explain to you what happened? Which, by the way, I haven't uh, sent you guys any um, any correspondence probably in a month. I bought one of your prepaid cards in April about six months ago. I put $430. Sir, our, our, our records show that you uh, that you stole the card. Well, whatever. You guys paid me for the card. I didn't steal the card. We're going to need... We're gonna, our, we mistakenly returned. Oh, okay. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got me on that, dude. I was about Did to... I actually get you? Yeah, you got me. Oh, yeah. Oh. Your, your voice didn't sound like you for a while. <clears throat> That's hilarious. I'm kind of I'm stuffy. That's so funny. Yeah, you didn't sound like you at all, dude. Oh, I just remembered you texted me. You should, uh, usually when you come down, you say, hey, I'm going to come down. And then you're like. Oh, sorry, I miss you. I went and hang out with uh, Scott and Allison or whatever. Allison and Snarn. But, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Is that going to happen again, Chad? <laughs> it might. Reserve the times. Um, Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. <laughs> oh, you, are you on the – am I on the air or something? Yeah, I'm recording. Put that guitar away. Uh, Okay. Well, what's up, man? You I, did I cuss on the air? Uh, yeah, but it was great because it was completely unscripted. I, I really I thought you knew it was me, but then I was like, oh, he doesn't know. <laughs> no, I didn't know, dude. And then that that when you start talking about there's a concern for mental health, I just got the rage, bro. I just started to. Oh, that worked out better than I could ever have <laughs> dreamed. Dude, don't. Be- you know, God is not the author of confusion, Dad. <laughs> so, are you made in His image or what? What are you doing? Um, so I am. Dad. I am. I am uh, using uh, you to uh, to do a little intro for the episode, real quick. Uh, so, how's it going? This is the way to get it done, dude. That's the way to get it done. You don't ask. You don't warn. No, I just, just call. Get it done, dude. Like a straight American. I know. So I went and saw Joker last night. Yeah. And I don't like, so the theater that we see it at uh, in Lafayette is in 2016. That's where the uh, we had a, a movie theater shooting. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's a little, I mean, I know around the country, you've been seeing how like everyone's been freaked out about like possible shootings again because of the Dark Knight shootings and all that. And then because of the subject matter the movie's about. Uh, yeah. I haven't. I'm not aware of that. I, I've caught whiffs, but I'm not very aware. So, yeah, and already, like, two days before the movie came out at this theater, they put up, uh, you know, those police towers? They're like those mobile, like... Yeah. Yeah, they put one of those up in the parking lot. They had Buku cops there. And I will tell you, like, I was nervous. I don't like that, that I was nervous. Like, I wasn't nervous. Like, Kaylee at first was like... Oh, I'm kind of worried about going. And I was like, that, like, statistically, we're more likely to die on our way to work, like, in a car. Mm -hmm. 
But I right. will tell you, every single person that walked in that theater, I was giving ocular pat downs to, like sizing them up. Like, is this well, dude? The whole... Yeah, he, I'm sorry. Yeah, go through with your joke. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. No, it wasn't even a joke, dude. I was like legit. I was legit concerned. Like, I, you know, I made a mental plan just in case anything happened. Like, what I was gonna do. So my plan, I had. <laughs> I had my my uh my I brought my heaviest vape and I had a full icy and I was like I'm gonna throw the icy first, distract him and then I'm gonna chuck the vape at his head as hard as I can, and uh, <laughs> that was my plan. And after that, I was out of ideas. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bad plan, dude. It's not even. That what good what plan. else is there to do? Well, I was gonna say this statistically. I would, I, you've got to think the stats are going to go, you know, skew out of your favor since you know there's a chance that somebody's going to go in there and shoot the place up. I mean, statistically, let's say this. Let's just say this. Statistically, there is a shooter. There's, there's a shooter in the theater, and he's popping off rounds. Your chances are much higher than getting in a car wreck then. That's why stats are dumb because they don't, it don't mean anything, you know. It's like yeah, they don't. Because if it happens to you, then your stats jump up to a hundred percent likelihood. What's happening next? Yeah, you can't calculate that math. It'd be, it'd be, be funny. Like, All right, uh, yeah. What if? Kaylee, be... there's a fifty percent chance if we get up and run, we're gonna die right now. Yeah, the guy pulls out a gun, and I'm like, no, no, no. Statistically, sir, this is impossible. You're not here. Where's my lottery ticket, sir? I mean, come on, I'm due for some good luck now. <laughs> Statistically speaking, I don't know. So, today also, uh, today's my three-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Yep, and so, you know, you're familiar with Tyler Wicks, right? Yes. Okay, so, all I'm going to get him on the show to explain himself, but so, starting last week, right, Tyler had, he had like, 12 memes on deck and he messaged me and he was like hey so his girlfriend samantha he's like hey uh in this facebook group that we're in he was like i want you to start posting these memes uh i'm gonna convince everyone that we're getting married it's gonna be this big joke and so uh-huh. i he, he he would send me these memes to post and it was like you know you know my reaction when i find out tyler and samantha are getting married da 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 and it started this huge like you know it was, the point was to start this like who done it like are they or aren't they but it was very obvious that they aren't or whatever all week mm-hmm. okay and i was like you're not serious right he's like no dude not at all this will be funny and then yesterday we, we get a little notification of tyler wick starting a live video and them 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 cats got married yesterday the day before your anniversary i know isn't that rude what that Man, is rude, bro. That is rude, bro. This is my That's the day. the first thing I thought. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, yeah. So, so I mean, you win, so you lose some friends sometimes, man. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll get them on to explain, but Tyler and Sam are married, so congratulations from Church and Other Drugs. Uh, I'm kind of hurt that, that you felt like you couldn't trust me with that secret. I'm, I'm not going to lie, uh, but I understand. I understand. I appreciate the long con. I appreciate the the joke, uh, but I'm hurt, dude. Why? Why you couldn't let me they know? Like, hey, this is real. Announce, 
they, I feel like they pretty much just played you. Like everyone Shut else knew. Because if you see like in the, in the, because uh, what I saw in the uh, Church and Other Drugs message board, like you were like, I can't believe you guys did this. Like, what's the deal? And then somebody was like, uh, bro, they've been announcing it for weeks. <laughs> they got you to do it for them. <laughs> right. everyone else everyone else like didn't catch that it was a joke so yeah. it was like over their heads but not really it was a, like a triple it was kind of a triple um a double triple no reverse no fake type deal you know what i mean i do i do know what you mean despite your uh ridiculous explanation um well you, you get what i'm saying I do right? get, I, I people do get. are with me bro i'm the people's champ so if you if you if you hadn't figured out too, Brad is has recently joined Facebook and is and is like so what what are you thirty three thirty four thirty three thirty three so he's a he's a he's like a fresh teenager on the internet that just figured he he you I will say you you you've gotten exponentially better quickly but uh, right it's been adorable to watch like figuring out what what flies and what doesn't as far as making jokes on social media and. Uh, you did. I did notice that you stalked my pictures one day because I woke up and there was just like notifications of Brad liked your picture from seven years ago, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm getting stalked late at night." No, you know, we well, can see that when you like the pictures. It's <laughs> that's not um, accurate, right? 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 Like, yeah, I didn't know that actually. So, like, when it, <laughs> well, when it, so when it, like, this is my thing, like, when it, um. It won't notify you if you if you if someone knew like your picture right after you post it. It'll like notify you on the first like, right? And then it'll skip some. But then after the thing's been sitting, it will notify you if you get one out of the blue. Is yes, that true? Absolutely. This freaking algorithm, whatever, it's not reliable. I need hard fast numbers. Okay, how like because it skips some. That's the weird thing about it. Anyway, yep. No, I didn't. I didn't know that I, because I think. Well, I just explained why I didn't. Know. Yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> I'm flattered. Well, look, man, um, nothing wrong with stalking people. No, not like I said, dude. I'm flattered. I'm very, very, very flattered. Um, so I, I wanted to. I wanted to read a listener email uh, from Kieran Lindsay. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Kieran Lizney. Lizney. See, Brad, I told you. It was Lizney. Um, yeah, you're right. Kieran says, which I love that name, Kieran, by the way. It's always been a favorite of mine. Isn't that a Colkin? It rhymes with, it rhymes with Ed Sheeran. So. <laughs> Isn't that a Colkin, though? There's a Kieran Colkin. Uh, is that a Colkin? Yeah, like uh, Macaulay, Kieran. Macaulay, Kieran? No. Culkin. Jeez, bro. What did I tell you about crack before 1 p.m.? Like, don't do it. I did ambush you, so I'll give you... All right, anyway, Kieran says, Hey, Jed, my name is Kieran, and I've been a longtime listener of your podcast. I just want to say, as a Christian and recovered drug addict alcoholic, it's really cool to see your perspective on life. I do have some trip-ups with AANA, however. I wonder if you ever question the model of recovery in such 12-step programs as a Christian. I'm close to two years clean and have spent most of my time outside the meetings. Your Christian perspective on AA would be much appreciated. Thanks for all you do, man. I'm glad to be a part of the congregation, Kieran. 
Yeah, and I, I wrote oh, I'd back. be happy to take this one. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jed, well, why do you have me on here to just, like, listen to your question? Did someone write in a question for me, Jed? No. Will you at least take a question and give it to, I want to answer this, too, though. Like, go well, I know, but you're going you're gonna to have – so, uh, you know, <laughs> Brad does not represent the views of this forward. podcast. I'll say that. All right. Well, know your place. Do. I mean – I got a lot of engagement on the board, dude. <laughs> Listen, all right. So, all right, go for um, it. I, I told Kieran I wanted to read that email, though, because it's a question we got a lot. And it's kind of the reason uh, – it was originally one of the reasons we started this podcast because I did have some issues with it. And my, my long-standing belief is that church and Christianity could learn a lot from 12-step meetings and vice versa. Sure. So the, the good – like really, if when it's ran right, meetings are exactly what church should look like as far as like confession, getting really raw about your sin and shortcomings and issues and character defects and working as brothers and sisters to correct each other and using God as the, the focus of that. So really, in in theory, it's it's a practical way of first century Christianity, right? Um, but of course, you know, whenever you get groups of people together, there's going to be, um, differences of opinion and it's not all, you know, like I said, in theory. Um, but also kind of what I got to was that I, you know, Christ needs to be represented everywhere. And instead of just like deciding that because it doesn't, meet x y or z i should just drop out of it instead obviously god has arranged my life in a way that i'm equipped to help other like alcoholics and addicts are my people that's kind of like my quote ministry if you will like that's what i've been like set up to do that's how my life has turned out so i believe that's where i belong and i can be a representative there and it really helps me to be a better christian just in practical ways of living right like my church um, doesn't really have the same daily things I can do um, that 12-step recovery can provide. And other things I've heard is that uh, 12-step recovery is the skeleton on which you hang the meat of your religion or your faith, which I really like that explanation. Um, Really, it's just a framework. It's just a way of living. And that's kind of how I've found the two and then you know a lot of people um i don't go in there guns blazing trying to start arguments and meetings about like jesus being the only higher power or anything like that because that's just worthless and it just turns people off but if people ask i'm more than willing to let them know what i personally believe but that's kind of where i'm at with it what did you say I said that seems right. That seems good. I wish there was more um, love in uh, church and in AA. And if you really want to get scriptural, as far as um, I'm not going to quote the scriptures, of course, <laughs> but neither in no church that I'm aware of, and no AA group that I'm aware of, is anything like the early church as far as first century, except for maybe uh, that one that was in Waco, Texas, or many other cults. 
<laughs> what? Okay, let me explain. First century churches, all of the brothers and sisters shared their resources and ate together, broke bread together. Yeah, Francis together Chan actually together. does that in California currently with his house church thing, which is a pretty cool model. Right. That's 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 really um that's really how it should be. And I think you you know, you're right though, Jet. AA groups are closer to that than um, a lot of churches are, which is it's something to think about, you know? It, it, I mean, when I think about it, like the, the dudes that I got sober with, I mean, we really did. Like we shared, <laughs> we shared resources. Like any of us that like were short on rent or whatever, we helped each other out. Um, we always yeah. frequently ate together. Like we lived life together. Like it was pretty... <clears throat> pretty tight-knit and close yeah well i mean the oxford house model is very i mean the only thing that's true it it, if the the only thing that the oxford house model doesn't have going for it if you want to like say early churches they they're probably i mean more inclusive because you know anyone is welcome and and when that happens you can get more type judases you know that is a huge problem in aa is that you know people people act crazy you know you well and, a and, lot of, and i would say it's yeah. it's almost the same in church too except at least in at least in aa like there's uh transparency about it yeah there seems to be a little more doesn't there yeah people people are more likely in church to go in there and put on a front yeah, they won't. They they kind of keep their, their their guard up. Which, yeah, I mean it. It says in the Bible. I mean, I put this on the board, but men should be kissing each other in church because they love each other so much, you know. And I know that sounds silly, but like that's a description of the church, the Thessalonian church. Men kissing, like that type of love, the love that you would have for a brother and not a brother in this day, but a brother when people were close, you know, people aren't as close as they used to be. You are real like, so if you were running for president, your platform would be bring back brothers kissing each other. You are hung up. No, it would friend. be, it would be, um, it would be communism, but not <laughs> like, not communism because they really ripped that word and messed it up. People, when they get together and do communes, they have a lot of power, and um, the government really doesn't like that. People, you know, it's 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 not. I don't know. It's sometimes the of capitalism. Sometimes talking to you is like hitting the "Are you feeling lucky?" button on Google. Well, what what do you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it, took you to another search engine. Oh, I thought maybe I missed. I thought it just hit like a random search. Is that not what it does? I guess I've never pressed it. <laughs> well, I mean, I just wanted to talk about um, fellowships, you know, because that was what the question was about. Yeah, no. If I, we want to criticize a fellowship, we should look at the one, you know, we're in, you know, not AA. If you're not in AA, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So you know, make make the one you're in better, you know. Yes, that's that's yes, that's that's a uh, that's a great point. It's like a, a, it used to be, I think, too often the natural instinct is like, oh, this isn't, you know, and 
I guess this that's a tricky line because there is a point if you know like the, sure you, you shouldn't have just stuck with Hitler's Germany just because like well I need to try to make it better I don't know maybe you should have who knows maybe there is no right point. maybe like more people you know, had stuck with the Nazis maybe we wouldn't have so many if they like you know changed I mean? it from within yeah right like, hmm, right that that's is a good, silly but yeah yeah maybe you're right but I, that is um because I have I've I've gotten that question a lot from question. Christians, Christians, and they just kind of they just back out of it, and it's like, well, if all of you, you know what I'm saying, maybe if everyone like that stuck in and just kind of brought your own, um, if you light could bring and more. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But no, that, that was basically what? it. Yeah, like maybe if if you know instead of backing out, that's that's how you that's how things change and grow. Yeah, well, somebody told me that. Um, one way I heard it put was I was talking about this really unhealthy situation at my work and a brother of mine said, you know, I said I had to leave. And he said, well, I guess what you mean to say is you weren't strong enough to be a light there. So you have to be honest with yourself and and understand that you need to be fed as well. And yeah. But your your job is to shine a light. And if you can do it, I mean, it's it says something about, uh, you know, doing things that hurt you for the betterment of other people is good and is a, is a blessing. So yeah. if it's hard for you, as long as you can stand it, it's a difficult to walk right. You know, it's hard. It is. It's very hard. Well, I want to get to the interview. So today we have congregation member Clay Crenshaw, who is uh, a renaissance man of sorts lately. So his, his band, uh, What We Do in Secret, uh, just got the great news that they got signed to a major label. And he also recently oh. has began uh, being the touring guitarist for Norma Jean, which is crazy crazy awesome super proud of him but i will um let him tell you that story and then at the end of the show we've got uh their premiere track 918 uh from what we do in secret and um i'll put the pre-order link in the show notes man that's how bands get really get supported these days streaming numbers aren't the best so if you um want to support them y'all go pre-order uh, their new album, and let's just hear it from the horse's mouth about everything that's going yeah. on with them. Jed, can I ask a question about the pre-orders? Sure. Can I order, how many is the max that I can order just for me, myself? Because I know this is a great deal, so I want to kind of stock up on these for Christmas <laughs> presents. It's right around the corner. So that, you know I, what? I mean, there is no limit, my friend. If I say 1,000 right One, now. You can do can it. I pull the trigger on that? You could pull the trigger on it. Okay. Well, just go ahead and put me down for a thousand. Well, I will do that. I need your credit card number. <laughs> so we'll, I'll right, get so American get Express. Air, right? I'll get American Express back on the phone. Yeah, get him to call me back. All That's right. so funny. I got a taste of angry bread too, because you got indignant like so fast. It was great. I was calming down, dude. Oh, you, I know, you know but it. When you heard you were the words, to make me mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you heard the words "American Express," it was over with. And if y'all are confused about that, go listen to the Patreon. Go join Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Church and Other Drugs, and hear the Brad versus American Express story. Uh, check out our merch store, Store Frontier.com/backslash Church and Other Drugs, and 
be like Kieran and send me more emails, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. The soldiers marched by All the birds fell like frogs from the sky Prostrate in the streets every crescent moon Lonesome offspring of which still resound When the victim listened to their authors passed down And the remnants of loathsome disjointed world thinking this morning i was like i really like that name clay crenshaw it's a solid uh firm bedrock of a name um what is that what is crenshaw what's your heritage where are your people from so most of my dad's side is what's left and i claim to be italian because my dad's mom was a first-generation American. Her parents moved over on the boat from Sicily. Her maiden name was Lo Piccolo, so that's pretty dang Italian. Lo Piccolo? Lo Piccolo. Dude, awesome. <laughs> gotta do this. Dragon Ball Z for the win. Yeah, got to do the hand motion for anyone that can. <laughs> hey, Lo Piccolo. I <laughs> <laughs> can't see it. Um, so when my grandma married my granddad, that's when Crenshaw came in, and that's just your your good old American mutt. Yeah. <laughs> European whatnot. So you're in Memphis? Memphis, Tennessee, baby. Is that where you've always lived? Yep, born and raised. It's where my parents are from. They didn't bother move to move, and uh, I didn't either. So, Wow. Yeah, that's probably where... Yeah, if I didn't do the rehab thing, I probably would have lived and died in South Carolina, which I do have... Uh, I do love the East Coast and the mountains and all that stuff. That is my... Uh, Cajun is definitely adopted for me, so I'll probably end up back there. There's something about South it. South Carolina, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time in South Carolina and finally got to play some shows in North Carolina. I love the Carolinas, what I've seen and just driving through and stuff. But yeah, no, South that's... Carolina is like definitely a destination for me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very nice. It, you get the mountains and the beach and the city and all that. And the racism. That's the... <laughs> oh, that's alive and well here, my friend. Um, yeah. Super racially diverse, but also super racially divided, and it kind of sucks. It feels like we're really behind the curve on some of that stuff. It, it When I went to visit, uh, when I went to see y'all, but when I went to visit Tyler in his, in Lafayette, Tennessee, and that's a small town, I was like, oh, yeah. I, f- I forget, you forget that places like that still exist, where it's like very much, like, it's been a while since uh, I've been to a place where... Like having tattoos, you get looked at, and I was like, "Oh, that's, oh yeah, that's still a thing." I was like, "Oh yeah." These old earlobes of mine get quite a few oh, glares sure. here and there. Yeah, well, in South Carolina, even too, I think tattooing was illegal still until like two thousand and seven. I could be getting it wrong, but it oh was it was mid two thousands when it was legalized. 
legalized. Yeah. I didn't even have that on my radar as something that happened like this century. I That's know. crazy. And it's still illegal to tattoo below the wrist or above the neck. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. That's crazy. I know. It's just one of those things that you that you forget. I guess that's why like when you wonder how are you, if people I guess people all my friends in like liberal cities or whatever wonder how uh certain political parties come to power and it's like, well, you you got to remember there's still like deeply held pockets of interesting belief. So um, you like walk into a shop there and like a reputable artist is not going to tattoo you below the wrist. It's not. Oh, wow, yeah. That's correct. All right. Well, cool. Yep. Now, of course, you can go down to the trailer and just get you a little something <laughs> done. That's how we did it back in the day. You know, a little. Gonna get call. you some job killers. Get you You're some get job you killers. So, what was your? Uh, let's 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 deep dive into CC C squared Clay Crenshaw's upbringing. What? Uh, so, Memphis, Tennessee. I imagine you were raised Christian. Absolutely. Raised in a, uh, I guess, an evangelical, non-denominational house. Uh, my dad was raised Catholic. There's the Italian thing again. My mom oh, was raised okay. Southern Baptist. And when my parents had kids, they, I guess they tried to find a middle ground. We ended up finding a non-denominational church when I was like three and ended up growing there, growing up there most of my young adult life. Uh, only recently, kind of in the last I don't know, six, seven years, kind of branched out a little bit, started playing at a different church, which is also kind of a mainline evangelical, probably a mega church, I suppose. But I love playing there, love helping out there. So what were your, what do you remember growing up? What were your beliefs about God as a kid? I definitely bought right into the whole, you know, Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. I was baptized when I was like eight. All that, um, you know, just like any teenager, had my good little dose of rebellion there. But um, I'd like to say I've pretty much always taken faith pretty seriously. And I definitely have my parents to thank for the church background that I have. I've... I guess, you know, you grow up, you start challenging some things and certain institutions have, I guess, begun to fall away, but Jesus is still pretty cool. Yeah. So what, what were the things that started? So, well, was there anything early in life or even teenage? Like, do you remember anything that challenged your beliefs at any point? Let me think. This question certainly did. It's definitely giving me pause. <laughs> Let's see. Challenge my belief. Or or I guess I could say any, not like even necessarily like a crisis of faith or whatever, but usually, so for <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pepper it. So for me, I think um, premarital sex was probably the first, first thing the first time i encountered well i guess it would be uh drugs and alcohol and then premarital sex but probably premarital sex before that was the first like life thing that i encountered that i discovered i enjoyed but uh uh-oh that's Mm -hmm. not what a good christian does so there's this conflict right and then it began 
with me, it started going into like, okay, well now I feel like a piece of shit and I feel guilty because I'm doing these things that go against my beliefs. Dude. Yeah. I can definitely resonate with a lot of that. Uh, the, the church I grew up in hired out one of those true love weights campaigns at one point, like yes. handing out purity rings and signing pledges and all. And, you know, good boy Clay definitely signed up. Did, and did y'all do that? So <laughs> what they did at ours is I remember they, they separated. It was one night for youth group. They separated. The moms came in with the daughters. The dads <laughs> came in with the boys and they separated us. And then they had some mm-hmm. dude that just like gave us the sex talk <laughs> in like in mass with all the dads. It was the most uncomfortable thing i think i told this story before too but uh my poor dad because the guy was talking about (laughs) masturbation i had to have been this probably i don't know eighth grade and i raised my hand and i go what's masturbation (laughs) (laughs) eighth grade all right well, and then, like, because I had heard back then, you know, you know, all the slang terms. I'd never heard the official term for it. And then yeah, some yeah. kid next to me was like, it's jacking off. And I was like, oh, I mean, I knew that. I didn't I know. I that. Yeah, but it was just, that was, yeah. It's like the 40-year-old virgin thing. Is it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my youth group definitely did something similar. Um, it didn't involve my dad. I don't think they had enough like parents that showed up on youth nights enough, but they definitely had like some of the leaders split off with guys, split off with girls kind of thing. And yeah, I, I totally bought into a lot of that. I'm only just now starting to realize some of the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I've been married almost three and a half years. My wife grew up in the same church, same purity movement. It's been very interesting, but I do remember signing that pledge, me being like, oh, I'm the only one of my friends that's, you know, hardcore enough to keep this and blah, blah, blah. And now looking back, it's like, well, I literally like pushed the boundaries in every imaginable way, except for, you know, penetrative sex up until then. And it was all like, but it was permissible in my head somehow. Luckily, I didn't go too far down the rabbit hole with that stuff. But man, I look back, just like, yeah, you what just start idiot. doing loopholes. Yeah, the whole yeah, loophole culture. For sure. Yeah. So, but so you'd always been. Um, well, so what did? And I'm. I always just like take uh, take a poll with this. So like, what was? What did your? Not. I'm trying to think of different terms, but like. What did your like interactions with God look like? You know, what kind of prayer life were you the type? Um, you know, how did you experience the world as this particular quote brand of Christian, and how did that like look for you? Sure. So, I've always been a pretty big reader, uh, not as of super late, just with discipline and everything, but. Um, Definitely read the Bible a lot. Definitely took a lot of the messages in church to heart. Would take them home, open up scripture, all that. I've always been a little bit better with reading than praying, I think. Yeah, the glasses are a dead giveaway, nerd. Oh, see, so fun (laughs) fact. I actually have really good vision, and these guys help keep me from getting those uh, headaches from 
blue light and whatnot. So they're not corrective, and that just makes it even more pretentious. Oh, wow. If I know I'm going to be either looking at screens or working on a bunch of guitars because it protects my eyes a little bit, I just throw these things on and pretend to look smart. That's even even better. I have had a guitar string try to blind me before, so usually if I'm doing my guitar repair thing, I'm trying to protect my eyes. and It's either these or goofy safety glasses so I, i'm surprised just just that i want to market uh <laughs> i want to market a new brand of smart glasses and it'll be called like protect your like covenant eyes but glasses right yeah so literally just like blur like that black black mirror <laughs> episode where the people just yes. get uh blurred out it'll just blur out all women so you can just walk. <laughs> i mean I, I kid something like that might happen so just in case patent pending jed Payne, 2019 you heard it here. That's heard definitely it. 1984 stuff, and I, I have seen that episode of Black Mirror. It's wild. Oh, so yeah, man. back to back to how how your faith worked, how your relationship with God worked in practice. Did so I, I think read? it was, yeah, um, I think it was a little bit more white knuckled than a true heart state, if that makes sense. It does. Um, I, I really, really buckled into the daily practice as if I had to keep it up on my own kind of thing. And I had a lot of friends in youth group or through the music scene or whatever, just what I considered at the time, maybe still considered case by case, but just kind of going wayward. And I didn't want that. I wanted to kind of see something through that I had started and not just, I don't know let mundane tasks or any, you know, change of scenery in my life cause me to drift. I was, I guess I was really scared of the backsliding thing cause I saw it happen and really that might've just been some of my friends asking questions before I did and yeah. me just thinking that asking those questions was either irresponsible or disrespectful to God or like you never really believed it anyway so I felt like I was too nice guy to push the boundaries a lot with everything except premarital sex, of course. No, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but no, um, just as far as like actual tenets of faith, I was, I guess I was probably pretty judgmental of anyone who was, who was challenging what we grew up with. Yeah, so. I, I'd say I, I was too. And it, it was very much the in-group, out-group. Like, oh, well, then you just don't have the type of faith that lasts or whatever. Um, God, I hate how culty it looks in retrospect. You know, the not being able to question. and um, It's just strange. It is very strange. So when did you – so I'm assuming you um, got into the – what was first, punk rock, hardcore, heavy music? How did that um, spark get kindled? You've always been a musician. Yeah, I started taking piano lessons when I was like six. My mom just figured she had noticed some like motor skills or brain stuff that would kind of put me in there. And took piano lessons for a couple of years, picked up a guitar when I was like 11 and have barely touched a piano since. But, uh, you know, just... Started learning radio rock songs on guitar, not really knowing what I was doing. And eventually, um, Memphis had this really 
sick venue for a little while called the Skate Park of Memphis. And right around 2006, 2007, uh, the sort of underground DIY hardcore metalcore thing like really started popping off. And I'm sure it was like this all over the place, but Memphis in particular could like seriously pack out like an 800 to 1,000 cap room like every weekend, even if there wasn't like a big headliner coming through. Wow, so yeah. I think one of the first shows I saw it was around 2005. I saw the fall of Troy at this little hole in the wall called the complex. Saw a couple shows at the skate park, like red death and from a second story window and stuff like that. And I was, like something when I found heavy music, it, it felt like I was allowed to let something out that had been trying to claw its way outside of me. Like there was definitely some kind of angst that I wasn't feeling any other way. And heavy music totally became an outlet for me, like, really quick. And sort of knowing, you know, how to tune to drop D and bang out a couple of dumb guy guitar chords. Seeing a couple of those shows, I was just like, this is my home. This is what I'm going to do. And so from around 06 onward, I was just going to shows all the time, jamming with some friends, doing a little garage band thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. As far as listening goes, did you stick to mainly the professed Christian artists, or it was just kind of whatever? No, I was pretty whatever as far as lyrical content. I definitely did not subject myself to you know the rigorous Christian only. If you like this band, listen to this Christian band. Totally. Uh, but I guess I did gravitate more toward bands that would profess faith because because it was cool right it was, it was yeah it was, on my team i do I, totally there was that was like because my my first show was beloved and uh i wore sandals and i remember my sister made fun of me <laughs> that mercilessly because i didn't know this was though i was you know a little young uh yeah. she brought me to some some bar my older sister and we saw beloved and um, I remember I tried to take my shirt off for the pit and she, <laughs> my sister was so <laughs> awesome. She like totally regulated my idiocy. So she's, she grabbed me and goes, put your damn shirt back on. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 She was like, you're lucky you had an older sibling. And I, uh, that one of those first shows at the complex I walked into that fall of Troy show I was talking about. The first thing I did was walk up to the merch table by a t-shirt and like a youth large and immediately put it on yes yes <laughs> the cardinal sin and then the, you have to wear it to high school the following monday of, of course because that shows that you're at the show of course oh, yeah so, so i had no one to mitigate that for me i just did it yeah thank god I, dude she uh, <laughs> some friends dude and having every grandparent at every reunion ask now what's that shirt there it's a band grandma oh you wouldn't okay. understand you wouldn't understand yeah, but no, I remember that was like that was the coolest thing to have because it was like because heavy music in general is like its own secret club, and then in addition to that, you have like oh my god, they're Christian too, and it's it was just like the greatest thing ever, which I guess made it so tough when they all started backing out of it, right? Totally. Yeah, because it was like, well, sh damn, like, okay, was this all, was this all just a, you know, 
an effort to sell things. And it, it, it did seem like we all kind of grew up at the same time, you know, as, which is, I guess that's diff, maybe is different than, or maybe it's the exact same, but you know, the bands we were listening to were, you know, maybe a few years older than we were at the time. So it's like everyone was kind of growing up at the same time. I remember, uh, right when plagues by the devil wears product came out, they had just gotten Mike in on vocals. And I remember watching them just with a massive attendance, just like that dude's my age. This is crazy. Yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure Mike joined, Prado when he was like 16, something like that. Yeah, it was something ridiculously young because they, they were children. <laughs> right, exactly. And so it, I don't even know if Prada counts as one of those bands that's like reevaluated on the, you know, we're a Christian band thing. But it kind of goes right back to that white knuckle thing. Like you'd see it happen just like, oh, you just couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know, that, and that's just all in my head. That's, that's fallacious for sure. But yeah. It's just like I'm. I refuse to be that statistic, that uh, <laughs> metalcore Christian statistic that yeah. uh, just bails later on. But Were man, you... there's there's so much. I guess pressure there. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. What were you gonna say? Yeah, yeah. W- w- which we'll get to. Were you, were you um, straight edge? You know, I spray painted a triple X on a skateboard deck when I was like 15. When I was skating a little bit, but. I I think I only like co-opted the straight edge label because I knew I wasn't going to drink or sleep around right. or something. I mean, it, was, I, it was like a bonus. You're like I'm, I'm not, already not doing this. Right, exactly. Uh it wasn't and it wasn't like a something I really knew too much about. I was I was like in the heart the actual hardcore scene like a little bit but not nearly as much because the hardcore scene kind of turned me off because um, it was wildly obvious that, uh, like how narrow everyone's preferences were for like real quote unquote hardcore. Right. And I was just, I really like playing other kinds of music too. So these hardcore folks probably, I could be friends with them, but it's probably not really my scene. And that's what straight edge was kind of born out of. So I, I, I don't think I ever seriously adopted a straight edge thing for myself, even though I thought it was cool and it was something I was already all about. So yeah, I, I was very much a poser into it in, to the point where, so like you remember old MySpace and LiveJournal screen names, right? Or AIM screen of course. names. Oh, and yeah. if you were straight edge, you had the your name divided by X's. Yep. So I, my LiveJournal was X1, X, Hope, X. And I didn't <laughs> know that that meant straight edge. I thought that was just a cool single thing cool. to do. Yeah, so I was just total poser on that. And then that was like, when I was, when I, you know, first started doing drugs and then tried to stop doing drugs. And I was like, oh, wait, there's this even like cooler. I can be, yeah, da 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 da. da. So it, it was, yeah, it was a love hate relationship. And all the local, actual straight edge kids really resented me because I would just dip in and out and be like, hey, straight edge. Oh, psych. I like cigarettes. Oh, wait. I'm straight edge this week. <laughs> I'm straight edge this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So where when did you what was your first for, foray 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 into uh, playing music in a band and w- was it what we do in secret was that your first band No it was not my first band I am still friends with a few of these guys I had a uh, total like haste the day ripoff band uh, that we called This Undying Day in the round. 2006, yes. just really generic riffs. 
this uh, undying day. Oh, yeah. We uh we did the whole uppercase lowercase alternating thing with but our initials. one word. Uh but one word and ours happened to spell thunder and we thought <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Mine so, was, ours was a TC wait. TCTD. Yeah, then came the dawn. Yep. Nice. Yep. Such a metalcore name. Totally. Dude. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So we, I think we only played one show. We were writing some more stuff and it just kind of fell through, but, um, I kind of got in with a few more bands here and there. Didn't really play any more serious shows until, uh, one of my best friends, Bobby, shout out Bobby. If you're listening, he's over on the West coast. He had a real big Memphis band for a little while, sort of the same niche. Uh, they were called Joan of the Furious. He left that band, and after about, I guess, a year off, uh, he and I started meeting up and hanging out. We had another band that totally sounded like a Jesus culture band at first. We called it A Thief in the Night after the verse in Thessalonians or something. Uh, That's a good name. He decided he you know, wasn't embittered toward the whole metal thing anymore, so we like totally switched gears and became a metal band. And we had, we had a couple shows uh, over the course of... I don't know, two years or so. I keep. I'm starting to get Facebook memories now that we played our last show like nine years ago, maybe eight. But that was that's crazy. Um, and then when a thief in the night broke up, I definitely thought I was done being in bands for a little while. I went to recording school. It's just something I was interested in, and figured I had to have a college degree. So why not? Did you go to like, all that on? You went to Full Sail or something, it, or it was just University of Memphis. So I had Gen Ed credits, and it was an actual Bachelor's of Music concentration in recording technology. I did not finish that program, but I was like real big into trying to do the home studio thing for a while, mm-hmm. and I was sort of getting a couple of bands to produce here and there. And I was just I was twenty three by this time. And I was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I, I miss playing music, but. Obviously, I'm here right now to facilitate for other people and other bands and other artists. So that's what I'm going to get comfortable doing and just start investing in gear and keep getting better. And I'm just I'm just going to be like, a, you know, a Joey Sturgis or something like that. And just have bands come through and produce them, blah, blah, blah. And then um, so Josh, who is now the singer of What We Do in Secret. Uh, he formed what we do in secret right before I joined. I was friends with all the guys, but I wasn't playing in the band. He hit me up sometime late 2013 and just said, Hey, it's not going super well with our guitar player. Can you learn a set in like a week and just come in and play? And, you know, the band had only played like three, four shows by this point. Um, but I obliged. I came in playing with what we do and the rest is history. I mixed their first EP that you can only really find if you look hard for it's, it's kind of ready sounding, but I uh, joined the band right after that and ended up playing on the EP that we produced in 2014. We've just been doing our thing since. So what we do in secret has been, been the only band for a while. I've done some fill in stuff here and there, but that's about it. Yeah, so, well, and, and you, you some fill-in stuff, he says. Yeah, so we, we get to your Rookie of the Year moment. Not this one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this one. So, growing up, I'm assuming you listened to Norma Jean, right? Everyone did. 
I sure did. Do you, th- do you think Memphis blew up because of Memphis will be laid to waste? Do you think it became like a destination city, even though it's talking about Egypt? But you know what I'm saying. Metalcore. It's the Branson of Metalcore. It's the Branson of Metalcore. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is actually still kind of true. But no, um, yeah, yeah that, that, had to, that had to be something for sure. I remember seeing Norma Jean with Between the Buried and the Escape Park of Memphis like 2007. I just remember thinking how amazing all of that looked because they had this just wall of cabs and they had a projector screen going on the back wall and stuff and it was so sick and was that when they would just project like really weird old uh video black and white videos yep yeah that was cool yep i still remember quite well yeah so you so how did that come about that you became a fill-in guitar fill-in touring guitarist for norma jean and what was that because that's one of those literal, like, that's got to be a bucket list type thing, like, sure. surreal moment. Absolutely. And it, it totally was. Um, you know, apart from what we do in secret, I've, or I guess including what we do in secret, I've just been super sold out to doing music as my living for three, four years now. And, you know, finally my phone rang in just the right way. But no, um, I got my foot in the door with, I guess without realizing it because around 2015, what we do in secret played outside little rock with a band called harvester. And they're from the Fort Smith area, uh, which happens to be where Corey is also located. So the whole Norma Jean camp is based in central Arkansas, but we played with these guys harvester. I met this dude named Grayson. The second time we played with harvester, he was their new guitar player and we played a show with them we hit it off. We just knew who each other were for a long time. Harvester kept doing stuff. What we did in secret kept doing stuff. Uh, I suppose geography lent itself well to Grayson because as Norma Jean had needs with guitar players leaving, he ended up in Norma Jean. Mm-hmm. I think it might, it might be kind of like what I'm doing now. I, it might've started out as just like a one-off thing or a fill-in thing. But he definitely has become a legit member of that band. He's been in the band, like, I think two years now. And this this would have been right after they toured Europe around April or May. Things came to an impasse with the other guitar player that was not Grayson. Mm-hmm. So Corey and Grayson were charged with finding another guitar player. And I guess just from us being Facebook friends... You know, he still saw me making posts about buying a piece of crap van and just we're going to have an album out soon. And I guess he just saw that I was still really sold out to do music. And, you know, I was only taking jobs that allowed me to do what I need to do with producing albums and touring. So I guess he thought I was a good candidate and just called me and asked if I wanted to to drive over and jam. And that's how intimidating was that? unbelievably (laughs) (laughs) i had the jitters for like a month and a half while i was trying to learn the stuff and i mean the guys were super super good about it they were super cool with me being really green on it you know i because i've got some experience with playing and touring and stuff but it's been on a much smaller scale so they took their time with me and it's it's gone super well man what was so? Was this the f- the first time you've been on an extended tour? Yeah, yeah. I'd never been out for more than like eleven days, and when when I say eleven days, that's like probably 
six shows. I think we just got done playing like 32 shows, something like that. So I didn't get to stair step into it. I got thrown right into it. What what was um what was better than you expected and what was way worse than you expected about touring like that? So I can definitely say what was good about it. The shows were insane. It was super cool to just show up and not have to worry about all the promotion, all the DIY stuff. Like I just get to show up with some material that I've learned and someone else has brought the people in and that, that was cool. Just getting to walk right in, hook up an amp and go. So I got to kind of hop on to them being an established band, you know, so the, the shows were really sick, super fun. Um, I think we all got along a lot better than anyone could expect too. Not that I was expecting it to go badly, but yeah, you just never know. Right. It was super smooth just as far as everyone being cool and cooperating and sharing the workload and all that while we're out. So definitely can't speak highly enough as far as how well all of that has gone. Um, the parts that were hard, I I knew it was going to be hard on my body. I just don't think I could have possibly imagined the degree to which that was going to be true. Um, the last little leg, we didn't really have any days off, and we were, you know, trying to sleep in the van and just eating gas station bullcrap. And I definitely did not feel too good the last <laughs> little little leg of it. But I suppose I came out the other side. So it was. It was a grind for sure. I think just the grind itself was harder than anyone could imagine that it's going to be until you're in it. So yeah, no, I, yeah, I can tell. It's because I can, uh, in my world of it, it's like I can, um, like when we came out and saw you, it was like, yeah, I'm pumped about the show, gonna, you know, getting excited about it, and then I go, and then I go through the show, and then I'm like, all right, I think I'm good on shows for you know a couple months. Like I'm exhausted. <laughs> Thirty two years old. I'm tired. And then I'm like, ooh, he's got to just do that tomorrow, and the next yep. day, and the yep. next day. You're 32. I turned 30 in a couple months, and I'm I'm right there with you, man. Yep. Welcome to there the... <laughs> was there was some body pain for sure, and it didn't let up. Was, no breaks. Was there any? Um, did you have any like after show talks with fans or anything? Any? Is that still? I don't even know if they're probably not. I wouldn't imagine it's the same um, bunch of like Christian kids that come out that like you know wanted to pray with you or whatever afterwards. Or did that happen? Was there any like cool merch table hangs or anything like that? Yeah, I would always make it a point to show up at the merch table and just. You know, I'm the new guy, so like nobody even recognized me when I was off stage or anything. But I was just hanging around and thanking people for buying T-shirts and stuff. But no, uh, you know, the few times people did want to walk up and talk, I was I was totally down, and hopefully always will be. And we definitely had some really good conversations, just getting to know folks. And I, I had a few people kind of grill me on Norma Jean trivia better than I know for myself. So that was what? interesting, as far as like. Yeah, this goose played on this album, right? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know. Hold on, no, let me check. Wiki. I got, I got like called out a couple of times. I'm just like, go look at Wikipedia, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm here to play guitar, you know. But that's no, uh, nobody was a jerk about it or anything. But no, it was, it was just super cool meeting people all around. 
how does so did you what does I really need to think of a better word for it than like uh how does your faith walk how does um what are your spiritual spirituality regimens for a life on the road like did you have like before that did you have like quiet like I'm always interested in how people live out right you know as in yeah. like do do they um wake up pray read a certain thing do they have an hour 15 minutes of quiet time or whatever and then so did you have that and then how did that evolve into this you know completely different landscape sure so i don't think i put enough of that into practice this first tour as i could have i'll refrain from using the words should have but I think I was definitely guilty of letting the responsibility factor outweigh, I guess, my mental or spiritual health. Just like, go do it, go do it. You know, there's a lot riding on this. People are counting on you, blah, blah, blah. So I was just stressed out a lot, you know. Yeah. I had I had every opportunity available to me to crack open a Bible in the mornings and all that. And I mean, we we've, I'm really blessed to be with these guys in that they're pretty much all Christians and we – get to talk about a lot of that stuff. Like we pray before some of the shows and, and all that. Um, oh, cool. So I definitely have them to thank for that. I'm hoping with this next tour to build in a little bit more time for actual spiritual practice. I think I've kind of got the jitters out on this last one for the next one. I, I, I guess I get to feel like I can have, a little bit of a life alongside the actual grind. So I plan to do a little bit more this coming time. Uh, sure. Didn't have quite enough of that this last one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's okay. You'll, uh, you'll pay for that. Um, God will get you. Don't worry. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, and then, so the other big thing that's, so you've had these two, big home runs i guess i'll say or big um or we'll just call them changes in the in in the positive direction with with your full-time band what we do in secret um so y'all recently got signed that's true this uh album that we're putting out is titled repose comes out november 22nd via face down records shout out to jason dunn for taking an interest in our band uh so yeah we we had this, we've had this album mostly done for a really long time, and we finally put the cherry on top a couple months ago. And Jason actually kind of hit us up cold about it. We had been on his radar for a little while because one of his design guys um, did some work for us, and we kind of shopped to him at one point, just like wanted him to hear the last EP we did because we knew that ferret is so freaking cute. I know. Uh, I got to go let him out. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. So I know he always does that. Whenever I start recording, he'll just start chewing on the cage to get out. Okay. Yeah. So Jason hit you up. Cold call (laughs) merch. Yes. I mean, Jason, Jason pretty much found us, um, just through a couple connections and I guess just kind of took an interest in us and has known about us for a couple of years. It just took us so daggone long to put out a debut full length. Um, we weren't sure if there was going to be any interest there because we were going to try to shop it around and all that stuff. And, with this one man we didn't even have to um we were very confident right off the bat that face down was going to be a really good fit and so, so jason picked up the album 
what does that even, what does that even mean this day and age getting signed it to, means to you a get label to, like you, face down so like what what are the yeah. bells and whistles to the extent that you, you can even like say i don't know how this this works but like what so what does that mean like so you so you signed a face down like what does that mean yeah you signed a record deal whoop-de-doo what does that mean yeah, in yeah exactly i mean it can mean a lot and it can mean next to nothing but uh with face down man um it's really cool i think it's a really good fit because with the record label, you know, they own the recordings, all that stuff. Um, we didn't really even have to negotiate to reach a deal that was very friendly to us. Jason, and this, I know this from talking to other guys who've worked with him before. Jason is very, very good to his artists. And I don't think he is capable of trying to like lowball anybody or hide any fine print that would screw a band over. We just we knew from his reputation that he was going to take care of us, and so this deal that we signed is for the full length that we've already done, and there is, you know, if all goes well, there's going to be another album. the The best, the best part of the fit with a label is the label is going to front any cost on printing physical copies. This one's going to be out on vinyl, which we did not have on our radar because vinyl is expensive. You yeah, know, we, totally. we're, we're totally footing the bill on all of our own printing and all that. But physical copies and the future recording budget are all provided to us. And, you know, with any label, what you end up trying to do is recoup the front end of the cost back. And with us, it's just going to be either we do or we don't. We're actually... What we do in secret is not going to be touring super hard for at least a while, just with job stuff. Uh, our singer, Josh, just this happened right when he changed jobs and Jason's been super cool about all of it. He just liked the music. And I think hopefully he thinks that his fan base that he's accrued with his own roster from the last 20 years, it's going to like hit home yeah. with the people that like his album. So I think, I think he got to sign us just because of, the art you know and yeah that's I, awesome. I really respect anyone this day and age that can treat a record label as a pure art form and yes cannot speak highly enough for jason on that because he absolutely does that there if we if this was all about dollar signs there's there's not a chance you know where we don't look as good on paper as a lot of other bands that are out there touring all the time that are killing it right now sure well, and, and and I say, so the past, um, and you said you've been married for around three years, so the past three years, like really, I can't imagine, and, and correct me, but I can't imagine like, so you don't, ha you haven't had the, the typical, you know, nine to five, steady stream of income, like secure job world thing, newly married, and then, you know, so what kind of... I mean, how have you been surviving and like what it, it's gotta be, it's gotta feel good to finally start reaping some fruits, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it totally does. And so like when I first got married, my wife, Abby, you know, Abby, she's a little younger. Um, when we first got married, she was still, we were actually both still in school. I had six months of school left. I managed to finish school with a full-time job. She was student teaching. So 
wasn't getting paid and wasn't available to work because of student teaching mm-hmm. just being what it is. So I floated us along on a nine to five at a car dealership uh, for two years. It was not fun. Yeah. Um, we'll just suffice it to say that that job is not a good fit for someone like me. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. I took uh, part, of the, part of the reason I took the job, number one, I knew we were going to have bills to pay and that I had to be the one to do it. But um, I, it was the first job I ever had weekends off. And I was like, oh, yeah, what we do in secret is going to be out every weekend doing shows. I think, <laughs> I think we played like maybe three shows in the two years that I worked there, at least at least like out of town. Like anything in town was something I could just work around. But so um, I did the nine to five for a little while and, you know, just held on as long as I could. When she, when Abby got out of school, she immediately got placed into a really good teaching job and she did that for about two years. So I left my day job about a year and a half ago. I started a business repairing guitars. It's Mm -hmm. something I've done for 10 years. And just when I left the corporation that I worked for, uh, I did it to finish school and I, didn't really have plans to keep doing that, but my phone kept ringing. I was just like, okay, this is the source of self-employed income that I really need to chase down if I'm really trying to do music here. So I leaned into my business pretty hard for a while. Uh, I worked part-time at a church doing AV media stuff otherwise too, but that's how I've been paying the bills for the last little while. Abby did two years at the teaching job. She loved it, but she's also an artist. So she did not renew her contract for this past school year, and she has been doing art full-time as well. What kind of artist would you full-time? So mostly visual art, just, you know, pet portrait commissions. Uh, She, like, paints houses and stuff. But she also does these art markets where she prints her original stuff, sells the prints, just does the whole art vendor thing, and that's been really cool. We're actually going to an opening she's got – tonight for that but uh <laughs> she is also a full-blown circus performer yeah i so, saw that with the fire swallowing and the aerial yep, stuff and <laughs> yep she does the aerial silks and lyra stuff and fire stuff she's getting more and more paid gigs for that so we definitely don't have that steady paycheck anymore it's just sort of a week-to-week month-to-month thing as far as meeting the bills but luckily if you can scare up, you know, clients and revenue, you tend to be able to get paid better case by case for like fixing guitars. I'm not, I'm not letting a corporation have 60% of what I'm generating off a guitar repair, so on and so forth. So we're both getting just hired here and there. And then between that and, you know, going off for touring a little bit, we're, we don't have it nailed down by any means. Oh, but uh, we're, uh, us either. That's I, I've been having, <laughs> I've been having the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off too. I, I've been, I've been having the, uh, the, uh, what the hell am I going to do when I'm old existential crisis? Mm. I'm like, I don't have, I was, gosh, I was hanging out with my like very well to do same age friend last night. And he was telling me about his stock portfolios. And I'm just like, Ugh. And you know, at his Must house that he owns. Yeah, I'm just like I. That's just I get in real trouble though when when I compare and stuff because it, it's just like yeah, w- me and my wife are artists too, and then then I'm working in you know 
counseling, which is not where you go to get rich and all that. So it's a very, but yeah, that there's that real, the illusion of security is, is very real. Right. And just assuming that, Oh, if I just have, if I just have this, this money, this, this like guaranteed, but there's just no such thing. Right. And absolutely. What's your, what would be your ideal, you know, next five, 10 years? Like, what do you, what's, what's, um, I guess you might not even know till you get there, but like, what, what do you envision as like your quote ideal full-time gigs? I suppose I'm probably going to be doing this for a little while, man. It's kind of the pins I've set up for myself to knock down the last couple of years. So, you know, a little more touring kind of like once a quarter ish. If, I mean, there's a chance what we do in secret will ramp back up touring wise. It just, there's a few factors there that remain to be seen, but keeping, uh, keeping my business going, maybe get a couple of like writing or production projects here and there. And then just getting to go do some tours. I mean, playing on the next Norma Jean album would be very sick. Just depends on how everything goes. Yeah. I've got to be able to, I got to write some cool riffs first. So, yeah, but yeah, um, between the two bands and the business and then Abby having her business too, like that's all I can really see happening the next little while. If, if we've got to, if somebody's got to take some job, I don't, I don't think we're going to like it. We'll do it if we have to, but uh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> we're kind of, we're, uh, we're trying to keep our bills as low as possible, which includes not having children right now. So did, did you say that you guys are like kind of trying uh, we were, we're, but right, now okay. we're, we're both back in school. So she's putting that on the back burner. So yeah, I mean, eventually of course I want that, but probably not going to be for like three or four years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a yeah, whole it would, other thing. It would totally, absolutely. It would, it'd be cool to keep doing this long enough for, you know, us to have enough financial standing to have a kid eventually. And like I said, with Abby being a little, being a little younger, she's not in any hurry either, but I'm just going to keep doing my thing for a little while, man. If, yeah. if there's, there's going to be ways to do it where, you know, the bills are getting paid easier and easier, but we're, we're super frugal people and we both make sacrifices to do what we want to be doing at, you know, the behest of certain comforts and that's okay for us. Yeah. We're fine with it. Yeah. We, we have, we really have been blessed with a super low cost of living. Number one, that's, Memphis, if you want it to be like, it's super affordable to live here. And, um, our families have kind of, you know, aligned some things for us where we're very privileged to have the low cost of living that we do. So yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it, man. Well, and so as we're, we're kind of getting to the end here, tell me all, all about this, uh, this new album, man. So this album is the product of about, four years of us just banging our heads against the wall, figuring out where we wanted our sound to go, what we wanted our shows to look like. We had a lot of member changes. That's, and we are talking about what we do in secret just for anybody who's getting confused at this point, because I certainly do lots of member changes. Uh, ultimately right now it has just ended up being me, Josh, my singer and Frankie, our drummer, shout out to my boys. And that's our core group right now. And we, 
managed to finally piece together an album that we really, really love. Our producer, Cody Landers, was very patient with us. We started we started free pro in this thing about two years ago and started actually recording it like a year ago. So we have really taken our time with putting the album together, but without the pressure of you know already maybe already being signed or already having big touring plans, we got to really take our time on it and refine it. Mm-hmm. That's a that's that's a mixed bag because sometimes things are done way sooner than you think they are. But we really thought through every little detail of this guy and finally managed to push out our first full-length album. Uh, We'll be working on the next one the next little while. We are excited to release this thing, man. It's it's been a long time coming. We we put a single out, which you and I worked together on when that released. Uh, We actually re-recorded that song, Blackout, which deals with opioid overdose i said that weird opioid overdose i can't pronounce that <laughs> uh, so that was cool that you and i got to work together on the, the subject matter being you know relevant on that but um that one's re-recorded for the album so you'll get to hear you'll get to hear that one uh the new single is nine eighteen. you guys are getting to hear it now and yeah and give we're give, excited for this album give all um give me the give everyone the the pertinent dates again Sure. The album drops November 22nd. That's a Friday via Face Down Records. There will be a couple more singles between now and then. November 22nd. November 23rd. Oops, sorry, it it uh it blanked so we'll, on me for a second. So what did you say? No worries. The album releases November 22nd, and we're yes. hoping to do a release party here in Memphis November 23rd. That would be a Saturday. So Cool. Well, Clay, man. Let's go, man. Yeah, dude. This has been awesome. I, I appreciate you uh, giving us, giving the congregation the exclusive, bro, and I wish you all the luck in the world. And everyone, please go check out Repose from What We Do in Secret, November 22nd. And if you're in Memphis, go see them at shows, go give them a big old sloppy kiss and all that good stuff. And then you'll Perfect. be you'll be on tour with Norma Jean for the Devil Wars Prada tour coming up. Yep. Norma will be out with Prada and Gideon November I'm sorry, October nineteenth through November sixteenth, I think. Coming to a town near you. What we do in secrets on, on Apple Music, Spotify, pre orders are up. We'll get you more info, maybe get you a link for the show notes or something, but Thank you, Jed. Thank you, congregation. It's been super cool being here. Uh, I did have one last little addendum for you, Jed. I texted both Tyler and Heath to ask if they had any words for you. Tyler Wicks told me to tell you that he's getting married next week. Is he serious? I I don't know. He might be serious, dude. (laughs) He might be serious. I texted him. Oh, my God. He said that. I said, said like, so are you? I said, I'm going to tell him that either way, but are you? And he just sent me a shrug emoji. (laughs) Bro. So we'll see there. And then uh, Heath Dills told me to ask you about the book he gave you and to tell you that he loves you. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love you, Heath. He gave me uh, The Sin of Certainty by Peter Enns, which I've been reading. I want to read that. It's really good. It. It's really good. You can mail it to me. You get done with it. We'll just pass yeah. it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do Let's that. Uh, go buy it and not be a cheapskate. I got to go find out if Tyler's getting married. I feel like he is, dude. <laughs> I need you to report back to me because, <laughs> terrifyingly so, I think you might be right. We'll see. Oh I mean, my God. 
and his okay. girlfriend, and, and she's lovely. I so. know she is. This will be interesting. <laughs> I'll just I'll just ambush him one time. All right, Clay. Thanks so much, bro. We'll talk Dude, to you soon. It's been great. Thank you so much. See ya. Fallen!